Good morning, everyone. Good to see all of you here today. I want to kind of echo what Lance said. We want to thank you for your support in helping get these kids to camp this week and uh, being able to visit with several of the kids throughout the week. Uh, They were having a great time, and I know that God worked in a great way. So, So thank you very much. Can you help me in saying thank you to all of those that put hard work in to make this week a great week for them? Yeah. So... All right, if you have your Bibles, uh, as Lance said, turn to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, and just a little disclaimer this morning, there's a ton of information uh, in Matthew chapter 24 and Matthew chapter 25 uh, that's running around in my head, so I'm doing my best to keep my focus this morning on where we need to be today. But last week we started a series of messages entitled, The Final Countdown. And we are looking at how to live with confidence in the last days. And I want to remind you that Jesus Christ is coming again. Man, that ought to get you excited, right? So let's try it one more time. Jesus Christ is coming again. And as we, Yeah, there you go. And as... We looked at last week, we don't know the time, we don't know when he is coming again, but we can rest assured and we can live with confidence that he is coming again. How can we have such confidence? Well, Jesus himself said in Matthew, or sorry, in John the 14th chapter, that I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, then I will come and get you. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day when Jesus comes to get us. When Jesus comes to take the church in what we call the rapture of the church, which is what we looked at last week in 1 Thessalonians chapters 4 and 5. But today I want us to look at the events that Jesus himself talks about that build up to the conclusion of the final days. Even though we don't know when the final day will be, We can know if we are living in the final days or not. Now, just keep in mind, I mentioned this last week, and it's important that we mention again. As we are talking about the last days, we are talking about the days from when Jesus ascended into heaven until Jesus comes again. And after Jesus comes to take his church, his bride out of this world, there will be a seven-year tribulation period, and then Christ will come a second time. So there are really two events that we look at when we look at the second coming of Christ that we need to understand. The first event is what we discussed last week, the rapture of the church. Jesus does not come back to earth at that time. Scripture tells us that we will rise up, we will be caught up to meet him in the air. And what a great time that is going to be when we are caught up, when Jesus comes to get his bride. But the second part of that is when Jesus comes back to the earth and he sets up his kingdom on this earth at the end of the tribulation period and he rules on this earth for the thousand year reign. And what we're going to be looking at today is that second coming of Christ when Christ comes. So he's going to give warning signs, he's going to give signs that lead up to his second coming. Now, the end of the world has been a topic that has raised many questions down through the centuries. Questions like, how will the world end? When will the world end? What will the tribulation time be like? 
And over the years, there have been many predictions of when the world is going to end, when the rapture of the church is going to take place. As a matter of fact, I just did a little search this week and just searched at the predictions of the end of the world. And very quickly, I found 150 different times where people have predicted, since Jesus ascended into heaven, they have predicted different times of when the world was going to end. There have been some in our lifetime that may be familiar to you, some different folks that said the world is going to end on this date. As a matter of fact, this one may be familiar. His name was Ronald Wineland. He is the founder of the Church of God, preparing for the kingdom of God. And he stated Jesus would return on September 29th of 2011. After his prophecy failed to come true, he changed the date to the 27th of May of 2012. When that didn't happen, he changed the date to 2013. When that didn't happen, he changed the date to 2017. When that didn't happen, he changed the date to 2019. Now before the 2019 date came around, he began to even doubt his own prediction. I wonder why. There's an, another name out there that may be familiar to some of you. His name is Edgar C. Wisenant. Edgar wrote a book back in the 80s entitled 88 Reasons Why Christ Will Return in 88. And he predicted that Christ would come back between September 11th and September 13th of 1988. When that didn't happen, he changed the date to just a little bit later, about three weeks later, to October the 3rd. When that didn't happen, then he changed his mind and said, oh, it's going to be in 89. And he writes another little booklet of 89 reasons why Christ will return in 89. When that didn't happen, he didn't say anything for a few years. And then he came out with Christ will return in 2003. When that didn't happen, he decided it was going to be in 2005. And I guess after 2005, when that didn't happen, he finally figured, I don't have a clue what I'm talking about, so he hasn't said anything else since that I am aware of. So I just throw those out to say it is easy for us to look at people like that and go, you're crazy, but I want to remind you what Jesus said. He said that no one will know the day or the hour of my return. Not even the angels in heaven. Only the Father Himself knows. So over the years, you will see people that are going to claim this is the end. Matter of fact, there's claims out there now saying that the end and when it's going to come. But remember this. No one can predict that time. No one knows. But with that in mind, we can know the season that we're in. Are we close to that time of the return of Christ? And as I mentioned last week, I believe that we are getting very close. How do I know that? How can I believe that? I don't know that 100% for sure. But when you look at the events of the world that are going on, then you have to ask the question, are we close to the end? That is the reason for this series, because many of the conversations that I have, many that you have, where people will ask with the events that are going on, or make a statement that we have got to be close to the end. But if we want to know where we're at in regards to the end of the world, 
then I think the best place to go would be to the Bible, right? You can pick up all these books. You can go out and find books right now of how the world's going to end, when the world's going to end. But the Bible gives us pretty clear instruction of what we need to know. It doesn't tell us more than we need to know. And it doesn't tell us less than what we need to know. It tells us exactly what we need to know. And the best person to go to when we look at Scripture is Jesus Christ Himself. And Jesus gives events that are going to lead up to the end of times. And He tells His disciples that here's what's going to happen. Here's how you will know when it is getting close to the last day. Here's how you can know the season that you are in. And we see this in the 24th chapter of Matthew. So let's read this passage together, beginning in verse 1. It says, as Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. I want us to stop right there. We need to understand what is going on here so we can understand the rest of the passage a little bit better. So Jesus is in the final week of his life. And he is in Jerusalem. The disciples are hanging out. He's doing some teaching. He's been in the temple doing some teaching. And they are leaving the temple area. And they're looking at Jesus. They're looking around. The temple was a magnificent building. It had lots of little small buildings with it. It had grand walls. Uh, It is said that the inside of the temple uh, had gold all down the walls. It was just a spectacular building. But before they go into the, or while they're in this building, you need to look back into chapter 23 and see what Jesus says. Jesus grieves over Jerusalem. Matter of fact, look back at chapter 23, beginning in verse 37. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. But you wouldn't let me. And now look, your house is abandoned and desolate. For I tell you this, you will never see me again until you say blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. So Jesus is telling the people in Jerusalem, I have wanted to draw you unto myself. I've wanted to gather you unto myself. I wanted you to see that I truly am the Messiah, that I truly am the Savior of the world. But you have rejected me. As a matter of fact, they reject him to the point that in just a few days later, they would place him on a cross. And Jesus says, woe to you. I wanted this, but you didn't. And because you have rejected me, then you won't see me again till I come again. You won't see me again till that final coming when I come to earth. And at that moment, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's when you're going to see me again. Pretty sad when they hear these words. And so the disciples hearing this, they come out and they say, look at this grand building and notice what Jesus says. They were impressed with the building, but Jesus was not impressed. And Jesus says, this building is going to be destroyed. This temple will be destroyed. And there will not be one stone left upon the other. And this is very important because this is a prophetic word that Jesus is giving. And in 70 AD, the temple was destroyed. Titus and the Roman army 
came in and they destroyed Jerusalem and they destroyed the Jerusalem or the Jewish temple. The temple during that time was burned. It is said that they went and they took uh, trees out of the Garden uh, of Get, not, not the Garden of Gethsemane, the Mount of Olives, off the Mount of Olives. And they took that wood and they put it in the temple and they burned it. It melted the gold off the walls. And so now the gold is mixed in with all the stones. And so they went in and they dismantled that temple. They destroyed that temple so that they could get to the gold. And they destroyed it to the point where there was not one stone left upon another. Just as Jesus had said was going to happen. Now, the disciples are looking at this grand building, this place that they would come and they would do their sacrifices and they would worship. And I think there's a couple things about that uh, being destroyed that after Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, there's not any need for the sacrifices to happen in the temple ever again because Jesus was that final sacrifice. And it's as if God said, that temple can be destroyed because that is not what is necessary anymore. But keep this in mind. Jesus was seeing the heart and the condition of the people. And even though there was a grand building and they were gathering in this grand building uh, doing what they do to make themselves right with God, they were missing who God is. They were missing who Jesus is. And so they had an empty religion and an empty worship. And the disciples weren't catching that. So Jesus tells them this is going to be destroyed. Now Jesus makes his way to the Mount of Olives. And as Jesus is sitting in the Mount of Olives, disciples come up to him and they ask him a couple of very important questions that we're going to look at. And they say, tell us, when are all these things going to happen? When are you going to return? And what is the end of the age? Look with me if you would as we continue to read in verse 3. It says, later, Jesus said on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when all this will happen. What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars. But don't panic. Yes, these things must take place. But the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it and then the end will come. So the disciples say, when is all this going to happen? And Jesus begins to break it down and he answers their question for them. Jesus and his disciples sitting there together. I can almost picture it up on the Mount of Olives. And they're saying, tell us, when is all this going to happen? And Jesus begins to lay it out. And he doesn't just lay it out in these verses. It continues on uh, through 24 and 25. We'll look at some more next week. But we would be here all week if I just went through every one of these. So we're just going to 
do these first few. Now that this prophetic statement was made, the temple has been destroyed, things are starting to happen. Things are starting to roll as we move towards the end of the age. So as we begin to break this down, I want to ask a question that we need to keep in our minds, that we need to consider. And the question is this. If we believe that Jesus Christ is coming again, which I hope that you do, because he is coming, right? Am I ready? Am I ready for his return? And I think as we look at these signs that Jesus gives and these things that he lays out, that it'll show us with the events that are taking place in the world that we are truly living in what I believe to be the last days of the last days. But as you've heard me say before, and I'll continue to say as we go through this, keep in mind, again, we don't know when Christ is going to return. We need to be looking for his return today, living our life as if he's coming today, but continue to build for the future as if he's not coming for another thousand years. We need to continue to build the church. We need to continue to do what he has called us to do. So let's break this down a little bit this morning. Let's look at what he said. First of all, we see that there will be a great deception. Again, look back at verse 4. He says, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. In the last days there will be many people that will come and say, I have a special message from God. Maybe they will go as far to say that I am the Savior of the world. Some will even say that I am Jesus Christ in the flesh. Matter of fact, I did a little bit more research. By the way, you know, Google is the best place to go and get research. And if Google says it, it's absolutely true, right? So um, with that in mind, I did a research and I said, people alive today who claim to be Christ. And the first one that pops up is a man in uh, Russia who claims to be Jesus Christ. And I was amazed when his picture popped up. This dude looked just like Jesus in the pictures that we have seen. Some of you, you may have a picture of Jesus on your wall. I'm telling you, he looked like him. I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. And he claims to be Jesus Christ in the flesh. And there are people that follow him, people that are deceived into believing that he truly is Jesus Christ. Then the next one that I saw was a husband and a wife. The husband claims that he is Jesus I think his name is John or something. But he claims that he is Jesus. His wife's name is Mary. And she's got a different last name. But she says that she is Mary Magdalene. And they are married together. And they claim to be Christ here on earth. And there are many people that are following and believing. That's just a few. There are several of them that are out there. And over the years, we've seen that. Over the years, we've seen people that claim to be the Messiah, that they claim to be the Savior of the world. And Jesus says, as we get closer to the end, this is going to continue to happen. And as it continues to happen, be very careful that you are not deceived. Now, I believe this. In our world today, people are looking for hope. And they're looking for some kind of Savior and so if the right person steps up with the right personality and says the right things, people are going to fall in line with that person thinking that this is our Savior. This is the one who is going to take care of us. And there is one that is coming after the church is raptured out during the tribulation time that we call the Antichrist. The Antichrist will come onto the scene 
And the whole world will look at this guy and say, he truly is our Savior. And they will follow the Antichrist and he will lead many to destruction. So Jesus gives a warning. He says, in the last days, be careful. Because there is going to be a great deception. And then he goes on. And he says, there will also be great division. Look what he says in verse 6. And he says, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. So he's saying that there's going to be a great division. Nations are going to fight nations. Kingdoms are going to fight kingdoms. People are going to go after each other. They are going to get to where they hate each other. And all they want to do is fight each other. Now keep in mind that ever since almost the beginning, there have been people fighting each other. Wars and rumors of wars are nothing new to us. But right now in our world, I believe there's like 36 countries that are at war of some kind. Some of them, it's a civil war. Some of them, they're at war with other nations. But there are wars going on. And we continue to hear of wars around us. But when I think about this and think of the nations against nations and kingdom against kingdoms, what we see happening in our world today, and we see it right here in our own backyard, is we see groups of people after groups of people. Even like-minded people that are now fighting with one another. We see people that are fighting one another over political issues. We see races that are fighting against one another. We see the rise of people that are just fighting in the streets for sometimes what seems like no reason whatsoever. We have places even in our own country that just a few years ago people enjoyed going to and they enjoyed vacationing there, but they are afraid to go there now because of the fighting between the different groups of people that live in that city, that are neighbors with one another, that work together, that live together, and now they are turning against one another. In the U.S., we see the races fighting one another, gangs fighting others, We have families fighting families, political groups fighting political groups. All over Europe, you have anti-Jewish groups that are rising up and terrorizing Jews. In the Muslim world, Shiites are fighting Sunnis. It seems to be groups versus groups all over the world. And these groups are people that are united by kinship, united by culture, united by belief system, and yet they cannot get along with one another. Jesus says this is going to continue on. But I love what he says is when you see this, when when this is happening around you, don't panic. Don't panic because these things must happen. It seems like every time we have a new war that breaks out or something, uh, there are people, some Christian people, they go into panic mode. Oh, this is it. This is it. The end's got to be coming and they're almost in panic mode. And Jesus says, don't panic. These things have to happen and That doesn't mean that the end is here when you hear of wars and rumors of war. It just means that we're getting closer and closer. Don't panic. Then he goes on and he says that there will be great disasters. As we continue on in verse 8, he he says that this is only the beginning of the birth pains. We need to keep in mind what birth pains are. Birth pains are the pains before birth that let you know that, hey, we're going into labor and these things are going to happen. When you jump back to verse 8, here's what he, uh, verse, sorry, verse 7, he goes on to say that there will be famines and there will be earthquakes in many parts 
of the world. Now, famines is something, I think, in our nation that we don't think of a whole lot because we seem to have plenty. We can go to the stores. We can get pretty much whatever we want to get. But there are places in this world right now where people are starving. As a matter of fact, it's estimated that over 45 million people in the world are starving. There's a famine that's happening around our world, and it's things that we don't think of and things that we don't get. But if you'll just remember a few years back, remember at the beginning of COVID what happened? Word got out that we're running out of toilet paper. There's not going to be toilet paper anymore. So what happened? You go to the store. There are fights in the stores over bags of toilet paper. And before you know it, you can't find toilet paper anywhere. But it wasn't just not being able to find toilet paper. You'd go to the store. Mother's going to get baby formula for their babies. And there was none. And there was panic. Remember, Jesus said, don't panic. These things must happen. But there was panic. There was the possibility that we may not get the things that we want, the things that we think that we need. And he says, there's going to be famine in the world. And it's going to continue to get worse as we get closer to the end. And he said, then there's going to be earthquakes. Now, there have been earthquakes around forever, but earthquakes continue to increase in our world. Did you know that in 2022, there were over 15,000 earthquakes of a magnitude of 4.0 or greater? in 2022. And in 2023, there have already been almost 7,600 earthquakes. That's a lot of earthquakes, right? Now, we've had a lot of earthquakes in the world for many years, but they continue to get worse and worse, and they're going to until the end. Now, keep in mind, as these disciples are asking them, when is the end going to come? And Jesus is telling them, this is building up. He said, this is the beginning of those birth pains, but it's going to continue to get worse. And what we're seeing happening is just kind of a prelude of what's going to take place during the tribulation time. And in the tribulation time, all these things are going to be magnified to an extent that our minds cannot even comprehend to the point where people are going to want to kill themselves, and yet they can't. It's going to continue to get worse. Then I want you to notice that there's a great discrimination that is coming Look at verse 9. He says, Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. Jesus telling these disciples that you're going to face discrimination. You're going to have people that are going to rise up against you. These disciples knew that. They experienced that in their life after Jesus ascended into heaven and they were living for him. They were persecuted. They were persecuted even unto death, and yet they remain faithful. But Jesus says this is going to continue to happen. Now, we have been fortunate to live in a Christian nation where we haven't seen much persecution. But all around the world today, there's great persecution going on against followers of Christ. Matter of fact, today, there are folks that are probably worshiping Christ that are afraid for their very life because of their faithfulness to Christ. And yet they remain faithful. But have you noticed that even in this Christian nation that we live in, or what used to be a Christian, Christian nation, how just over the last few years, it seems, there is built up a hatred towards anybody who stands for Christ, stands for what Christ teaches, and believes in Him, and dares to share anything about Christ 
in our world, in our country, in our neighborhoods, even right here to an extent in Canyon, Texas. I never thought I would see that in this Christian nation. But we have turned from a Christian nation to a nation that is becoming more and more against Christianity and being willing to step out and boldly get in the faces of Christians because of their beliefs in Jesus Christ. Discrimination will come. And then there's also a great deception. He says that many will turn from Jesus. Many will turn from the faith. Look at verse 10. He says, many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Many will be deceived by false prophets in that day, and their hearts will grow cold. Now keep in mind that this is different than what we looked at at the first verse where he says that there will be many false uh, Christs that will come claiming to be Messiah. He talks about false prophets that are going to come. False prophets that will come and lead people astray. These are prophets that we see in our world today. These are folks that come in to our world today who say that they believe in the Bible. They will teach the Bible, but they teach the Bible for their own gain, for their own benefit. They will twist things in the Bible to make it mean what they want it to mean. They will do it for their own gain. False prophets that aren't teaching the truth that we read in God's Word. False prophets that will come and lead many astray. And he said, there's going to be a falling away. There will be people who will turn from me. We have seen over the years people that I have known personally, pastors that I've known, who were very involved in preaching the gospel and leading people to Christ for years that have now turned away and said, I don't believe that anymore. We see it more and more in our world that people are turning away from Christ. And there's a great deception that is going on. A deception that causes people to believe that what we once believed, we find not true today. People that look at it and say, I believe what these other guys are saying, not what God's Word says. There's a great deception. Let me just remind you today that anybody that you listen to, if it does not line up with what God's Word says, don't believe it. Don't fall into it. There are many false prophets out there. You can turn on your television today. I promise you in here, teaching that does not line up with God's Word. But it sounds good. And it looks good. But it's not His truth. He's be very careful. Be cautious so you don't fall into that. And then there's a great disorder. Look at verse 12. There's a great disorder that's going to come. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. Sin will be rampant anywhere. Does that sound anything like our world today? You've heard it said before, we'll continue to say it, you know, the sins that used to sneak down the alleyway are now marching right down Main Street. And there's no remorse for their sin. There's no conviction on sin. People are living their life the way that they want to live their life, and they expect you to agree with their life no matter what their life is, no matter how much it goes against Scripture. And Jesus says, this is going to continue to happen. We shouldn't be surprised about this because Jesus said this is what's going to take place. It is coming and there's this great uh, disorder that's out there. Look at how crime has increased. Look at how the things of this world are getting crazier and crazier. And 
when we think about that and how crime has increased and now we have uh, people in places to put the criminals in jail and they're saying, we don't want to do that, that it's okay how they live their life. It doesn't matter what they do to other people and crime continues to intensify all around us. There's a great disorder in our world today where the things that were once wrong are now considered right and the things that were once right are now considered wrong. And Jesus says, that is going to happen. Now, I don't know about you, but I read through all these and I've been reading through them all week long. And I got to tell you, sometimes it gets a little down. It's like, wow. But when you look at the events of the world, we're seeing these things that are playing out right in front of us and they continue to get worse and worse. And it just seems like over the last couple of years, everything is intensified. And we get a little bit discouraged when we read through these, but I want to leave you with this last one today that to me is a great encouragement that there will be a great declaration. Look at verse 14. He says, And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. The gospel message of Jesus Christ will be preached throughout the entire world where all nations will hear it. Do you know that we are living in that day? Thanks to the help of the internet, the gospel message is going to places in the world where people once thought it would be impossible to get the message to. Because of faithful men and women who have been out reaching other faithful men and women, we now have pastors that are rising up in different parts of the world where we once thought it was going to be impossible to reach that part of the world. And they are willing to give up their very life. They are putting their lives on the line to take the gospel message into places that we would be scared to death to go. Did you know today that the Bible is being translated into every language? And there's a goal that by 2025, that every language will have their own Bible translated for them. The gospel of Jesus Christ is being spread throughout the world. And Jesus says that when that happens, then the end will come. You want to know why I believe we're living in the last days? Because of that verse right there. Because Jesus said, when this happens, we're there. When this happens, be ready. When this happens, look up. Because Jesus Christ could come at any moment. Jesus Christ is coming again. Are you ready? It could be today, it could be tomorrow, it could be next week, it could be a thousand years from now, but are you ready for the return of Christ? So to answer the question real quick, how do we live with confidence in the last days? The first thing we've already hit on where he says in verse 6, don't panic. When you see all these things happening, don't panic. Remember that when things start to shut down and things start to not go our way when the world is going crazier than we ever dreamed it would go, don't panic. Because it may seem like evil is in control. But remember this, God is still on his throne. And God is still in control. And he is somehow working all these things together for his good. And we can trust that. We can trust what he says. And we can trust that he is in control. So don't panic. And then the second thing that I would give you this morning is that as the world gets darker and it's going to continue to get darker, let the hope of Christ 
shine brightly through you. The darker that the world gets, the more the world will be looking for hope. And the greatest hope, the only hope, is in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we have the privilege of taking that hope into a dark world. And as it gets darker around us, the light of Christ will shine brighter. And then be busy doing the work that God has called us to do. In Matthew 28, we're told to go into the whole world and make disciples. And Jesus in John 9, 4 says that we must do the works of Him who sent us while it is day. Because nighttime is coming when no one can work. Our time is short. And we have work to do for Him. And our work is very simple. To take Christ to a world that needs Him as much now as ever before. Because Jesus is coming again. Are you ready? As you think about that question today, I want us to all just bow our head, close our eyes for a moment. Consider that question. Am I ready if Christ were to come today? Am I ready for His return? Today, if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I repeat the word, don't panic when you see these things. But be excited knowing that His return could happen at any moment. Today, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, then today, it's time to panic. And you need to run to the cross. You need to run to Him. Make the greatest decision you would ever make in your life, and that is to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Father, I thank you today for your word. God, I thank you for the things that we see happening around us. And God, I do pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come. But until that time, God, I pray that each one of us that are followers of Christ would be busy about doing your work, what you have called us to do, what you have asked us to do. God, that we would use your gifts and your talents that you have given us so that we can reach others for you. And God, I pray for any person here today that may not know you as their Lord and Savior. God, I pray that your spirit right now would just draw them unto yourself and they would say yes to you. God, I thank you for your wonderful love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And God, I thank you that he didn't stay dead. He rose again and right now he is sitting at your side. And God, we look forward to that day when he returns to get his bride. God, again, until that day, help us to be ready and watching. In Christ's name I pray, amen.